This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Own the Microphone. Join me, Bridget McGowan, an award-winning international professional speaker and owner of the independent publishing company, BMAC Talks Press. I am doing something a little different with the podcast. I am bringing you a special 12-part series, and in the series, I sit down with three presentation and communication experts to tackle some of the biggest presentation questions we receive from our audiences. The experts are global communications expert, Monique Russell, Robert Honorado, who's a director of education and a professional speaker, and then there's Diana Howells, an award-winning speaker, best-selling author, and global virtual trainer. You can check out their bios at the end of each show, but for now, tune in and take notes. This is going to be a good one. Hello, Bridget McGowan here, and welcome to today's episode of Own the Microphone. I am with Monique Russell again for an exciting conversation. Monique, welcome to the show. So happy to be back, Bridget. Today's question we're going to tackle is how do you keep your audience engaged? And I immediately got on my soapbox and told you, Monique, we this this is this is easy. We're going to do this. We can knock this out of the park. Here's why. Here's why. I attended a webinar. I mean, I'm telling you, I had the car on two wheels trying to get home to that webinar. Uh, typically, I know my neighbors know by now, if it's a few minutes before the top of the hour or a few minutes before the bottom of the hour, and they hear me tearing through the neighborhood, I'm talking about burning rubber and parking the car hard and fast. They know nine times out of 10, I've got a webinar, a call, something that I'm trying to get to. And this day was no different. It was a webinar. It was about book it was about the book world, book marketing, writing, something, you know, but it was, I was very excited to attend it. And let me tell you, Monique, when I get on heart racing, sweating and going on, I get on and the first thing that the speaker does to quote unquote engage us is to tell us to post to the chat where we're joining from, city and state. Now, I'm going to tell you what I did. Absolutely nothing. I didn't post a thing because I'm sitting here thinking this is this is not engaging me. I am ready for some content. So, my friends, the first thing to stop doing to ensure you engage your audience is stop asking irrelevant questions. I'm going to shut up now. <laughs> let you chime in Monique. come on come on Bridget oh my god I love this so much the irrelevant question because how are you going to integrate that into your training or your presentation anyway yes. you can't and if 50,000 people are sharing that they're from Canada and they're from Japan and they're from yeah so 
relevance, 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 relevance. Instead, I mean, think about getting them engaged immediately so that they can share what they're looking to get out of this presentation, at least because then they're already activated. They're already saying, okay, you know what I'm here for. So as the speaker, now you have an opportunity to make sure that you can deliver what it is that the people are there for. How many times have you sat in a situation or a presentation where you have sat through the entire hour and nothing that you came there for was addressed absolutely nothing even though it might have been in the title so the that the hack is definitely finding out the whiffim what's in it for them not not you you're you're saying where are you joining from because it's just a lazy way for you to begin but mm -mm, for sure relevant questions helps to engage that audience immediately from the start or come up with something creative what do you think it's, 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 it's a lazy way to start. And I mean, to be fair, I get it. If you don't know what to do, then you fall back on what you've seen others do and you just roll with that. Now, you said something that was quite key. If you're not going to use that information later in the presentation, you definitely want to stop asking people where they're from. Now, if you are doing a presentation that has something to do with, I don't know, geography or I, there was something called Z maps back in the day. I don't know if they're still around where in the audience, you could have people go to some link or another and put in where they were from. And then you could have this wonderful map showing all these people in the audience, how they were from all different parts of the world. And if that feeds into your presentation, then great. Right. But whatever it is that you do, from the start until the finish of your presentation needs to directly connect to what you want people to know or be able to do by the end of your presentation. So it's a lazy way, like Monique said, of starting your session. Instead, ask something that has a lot more meaning. Something I love to do is called a quick start. Where on the title slide, I have the name of the session, but then I also have quick start. And it might be something along the lines of, post to the chat any questions you have about how to make great presentations. Wow. And then I start my session and I do my opener, which is an art form in itself. But then once I finish with my opener, I scroll through that chat and I try to answer every single question. And I'll let you know if I cannot answer all of the questions during the course of that session, I'm going to make sure I grab those questions, and you will get answers via the form of a blog post or what have you in the coming weeks. But I love doing a quick start. It gets you engaged. It activates you. It has you thinking about the session topic. It does a ton of things mm -hmm. if you're more intentional with how you start the session. I agree. I agree. And so there's some other things that I think to consider too is even just getting them engaged right away with with your voice right mm -hmm. so a lot of times I've seen presentations start where the speaker is just sort of getting themselves warmed up and so they're they're starting off okay we're going to start in a few moments or you know one second or you know sometimes those types of starts it already tells your audience 
why should I listen? Even though you are credible, you are, you're credible, you have the knowledge, you have the expertise, you, you have so much value to bring to your audience, but because you start off with your volume in a very shaky way and you're waiting for that momentum to swell, you've lost some confidence right there. So right off the gate, start real strong, good, clean, crisp voice, get into that grounded position and then engage your audience with your voice. Even if you're starting off soft, that can be an engaging too. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? If you can't hear me, drop in the chat. I can't hear you. And then that way you're not only activating their their audio sound, but then you're also testing whether or not that they have great technology. So do you need to amplify your voice and speak a bit louder? Do you need to bring it a little softer? Is your mic volume turned up too, too loud? All those things are relevant because they're giving you as the speaker information on how to connect and engage with your audience. It's always about them. It's not about you. So every information that you're extracting should be information you should use to, to make it more effective for them. When you talked about that voice quality and everybody, my microphone is always turned up too loudly. So just, just mark that down. Just make that, uh, <laughs> make that a constant. But when you talk about softening or lowering your volume and how you can use that as an engagement tool, it reminds me about the colleagues that I used to work with when I was at an ed tech company. They were so smart. Monique, and I say were as if they're no longer smart. I'm sure they still are smart. They were some of the most incredible people to work with. And each one of us had a different presentation style. And one of them comes to mind. And you were talking about that soft voice. She's in Texas. We'll call her Tammy. And she's very tall, very soft-spoken, essentially the exact opposite of me, right? But it was that softness in her voice where she could have people right there on the edges of their seats. Everybody had a different voice, intonation, cadence, everything. And yeah, part of it was Tammy's voice that would draw in people. But then what about everybody else? Like somebody loud and boisterous like me. The key to engagement was always asking great questions. So although Tammy had that wonderfully soft voice, for some people, listening to that soft voice for 60, 90 minutes may be a little too comforting and soothing. <laughs> and she knew this. And then for me, well, I need to back it down or tone it down. Or for everybody, it was about always making sure they had great questions to ask to engage the audience. The, the power of engagement, the power of audience engagement, it doesn't lie in an activity. People are always, oh, I want a book of activities. I mean, I've got plenty of books of activities. It, it, the power of engagement does not come from what kind of game you can put together, what kind of, how, what you can get them up doing and moving. And you'll have some people when they're looking for a speaker They'll say, I want you to get them up and get them moving. H hold on. I can do that, but it's going to be done with purpose. So you can pull any activity you want from any website, any training book, 
any blog. And unless you have a fantastic question to serve as the basis of that activity, the activity is going to flop and you are not going to have great audience engagement. You could say that again. I'm over here like clapping. I'm about to just (laughs) pass the offering plate over here. I cannot tell you how much in alignment I am with that statement because I hear it all the time. Just let's do a little bit of activity. Let's just do a little bit of, of games. Games are not it. I like to pair this engagement with the V's, the, the voice and the vision, right? The voice and the vision, because you're using your voice to give them direction, to give them guidance, but the vision, you're also helping them to see, to visualize things differently. And that connects so well to your questioning, because if you can help your audience begin to see something differently, you give them a vision. And if you point to a great question, you're helping them to expand the vision or expand the perspective of what it is or why it is they're in your audience anyway. So definitely, I feel like, you know, giving them something deeper or helping them to see a concept in a new way. You're expanding that view. You're expanding the lens, you know, of of what content they're there for. You can sit down. You don't have to be doing games in order to expand somebody's vision about a concept or their perspective about a concept. And and contrarily, yes, your movement is, is essential. Movement is important, but movement with a purpose, seriously. Seriously. I think of a number of things. So one, listeners, I'm going to make sure that I let you know how to create great questions because that's what I'm singing and dancing and telling you right now. So I will tell you how to create great questions. But what you were just saying about the movement piece, yes, you want to infuse movement into your presentation. It makes me think about VARK, V-A-R-K, visual, auditory, read, write, kinesthetic. So in your audience, you're going to have people who have a visual preference. They want to see a handout. They want to see a a PowerPoint. They, they, They need to see the content in some way so they can consume it. That's how they learn best or that's how they like to take in information. Then you have your people with the auditory preference where they can just sit and listen to you and and repeat everything you just said. It's that student in college who didn't take notes and the professor would get peeved. However, the student would sit there and regurgitate almost word for word everything the professor had been saying for the last 15 minutes. Then you have people with a read-write preference where they want to be able to read it, but then they also want to be able to take notes. I was that person. I had to have my note-taking materials in college. And even now, when I take important phone calls and so on and so forth, I have pieces of paper all around me like this all day long. I clean up my area and go in and retype my notes that I've taken by hand at the end of the day. Got all the little post-it notes and everything all over the place. And then you have kinesthetic. That's the movement. You have some people where they need to get up. They need to manipulate objects. They need to move around. So try to work that, all of those into your presentation. You've got the auditory piece covered with your own voice. The visual, a fantastic, gorgeously designed PowerPoint deck. I, ooh. That's another conversation. And then read, write, like Monique was saying, an activity doesn't have to be board games. An activity can be a one minute paper where you give a great question and then ask the audience 
to write a one minute paper, take 60 seconds and write their answer to that great question. So you can have them writing down or you can even say, hey, listen, you've got to write this point down as you're delivering your presentation. Then kinesthetic, you can get them up moving. It can be something as simple as stand and have a one minute conversation with the colleague next to you about the answer to this question. Now, great questions. And then I'll, I'll be quiet for two seconds. There are all kinds of great questions to ask. Here are a couple of great questions that you can ask that will fuel great engagement. One is to think about changing the audience's behavior. And a second one is to have them thinking big picture. So in terms of changing behavior, let's say I give you a 15-minute spiel on the best way to start your presentation. And then when I finish with my 15-minute spiel, I'm going to stop and I'm going to ask you, Out of the three strategies I just gave you for how to start your presentation, which one will you use the next time you have to deliver a session? I'm aiming to change your behavior and commit to a new strategy. Which one will you use in your next session? Turn and talk to your colleague about it. I've got you applying the content, thinking about what you'll do differently. And now the session has become valuable because now you've got some news you can use. Thinking big picture, I present a chunk of content to you, again, 10, 15 minutes, whatever, of material. And then I ask you, based on what I just provided to you, how will this improve your bottom line? How will this improve or increase, I don't know, something, right? And then you sit and you jot it down, how, ooh, if I put that in place, This is how it's going to make a difference. Now you're thinking big picture. You're thinking outside of this session. How is this going to improve customer satisfaction? How is this going to uh, improve confidence when you deliver presentation? Ask great questions that either move or aim to change people's behavior or that have them thinking big picture. In my book, Real Talk, I give you more types of questions to ask that are great questions that you can use as the basis of any activity. Okay, so let me tell you, when you were talking, that made me think about, I remember I was giving a presentation to a group of project managers, I think it was the project managers, and we were talking about um, effective meetings. And of course, you know, everybody who's in a corporate space has been in a meeting. So (laughs) the question would not be, How many of you have been in a meeting? I mean, that would really be a a non-relevant question, but I digress. So (laughs) when we were talking about the meeting, I love where you talked about helping them to see how they're going to implement something new and how they're going to like what they're going to commit to to take away from the from the conversation. Something I would also add to is helping them to find out where they can be more efficient in what they're already doing. So it's still a great question, but the question is focusing on helping them to review or helping them to recall something that they're already doing. Because a lot of times I think people come into our presentations, they are smart, they have a basic understanding or some advanced understanding of whatever it is we're talking about. I know I've been in many, many presentations where I'm familiar with the topic, but my goal is to figure out how can I see this topic in a new way or what one shift can I capture to make my effectiveness even better? So with that type of questioning where you're going back and looking at, 
okay, yeah, I might already know about how I should have a meeting set up, an agenda, I should have it timed or whatever have you, but then go and recall what happened at the last meeting and where, where did you get stuck, right? Because then that way now you're also pulling into learned recall and you're pulling into tying that into now, okay, in my last uh, session, I got stuck at this point. Maybe someone was talking too long and I couldn't, I couldn't shut them down or I didn't have the tool to, you know, move them forward. And that threw my whole agenda off. We didn't get to cover all the topics. And now I look like I'm not a good presenter. So how do I present in my meetings or lead my meetings more effectively? So great questions tying in what are you going to do moving forward, but also assessing, pulling in that assessment piece of your behavior of what you've already done if the topic is something that your audience is already familiar with. You're just wanting to create the experience you'd want to have if you were sitting in the audience. I saw in a Facebook group where a lady posted something to the effect of, you know, how, how should I design a 90 minute training? And, you know, it boiled down to, she's just trying to understand like, what should it look like? And I'm going to assume she's probably been doing keynotes or breakouts or something like that. And then all of a sudden now she's got this training and training is very different from a keynote and it relies or the success of it relies very heavily on audience engagement and the audience being able to, and I'm saying audience engagement, I really should say it, the success of the session relies heavily on the audience being able to learn something and walk away with newfound knowledge or strategies that they can put in place and make their lives better or their work better. So I could tell she really wanted some kind of a formula. That's what she yep. wanted because she probably has a keynote formula and maybe a breakout session formula. That's what she wanted. A lot of people have put some brilliant responses in there. So I just didn't bother to respond. So I was like, she's probably going to roll her eyes at mine. But I, what I would have recommended to her was to use this PSA strategy, point story application. So if you're trying to figure out how do you do this engagement thing, make your point. So in a session, you're going to have three to five points you want to drive home, three to five big ahas, big things that you want people to take away. So you make your point and usually it needs to be something that goes against the grain or it's something you strongly believe or you have a real preference for. You make your point and then the S stands for story. So after you've given the black and white, the very objective piece to it, well, I guess it's not objective if it's like a personal point, but I'm digressing here. Your story then kind of gives them that mental hook. The story is either an experience you had that relates to that point or something you saw that relates to that point, or maybe it's a great graphic that kind of relates to that point. It's just something to give it color. It reminds me of sports. You have two people who are on the microphone. You have the analyst and you have the color. The analyst is the point. He or she is just giving you exactly what just happened on the field, what just happened on the court. But then the color person is giving you some details about the player's life, an interesting factoid, an interesting story, a little known whatever. So with your point, that's the analyst. 
And then with your story, that's the color where you kind of bring it to life or you have them envisioning themselves doing whatever. And then the A is application. PSA, application means the engagement piece. You ask a great question. And then like Monique was saying, you have them check to see, you know, do they recall the content? How are they going to apply it going forward? How are they going to use this? So that's a nice little formula. If you're trying to figure out how do you do this thing called engagement, it's very simple. You can shift it a little bit, but if you're just looking for something as a baseline for how do you create this engagement and you're like me, I need a recipe. Don't just throw me in a kitchen. I, I, I need some kind of plan to follow. Try PSA, point story application. I love that. I love that. And also remember, um, your audience analysis is key. Key, 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 key. 100% key. Um, because if you don't do that audience analysis, you won't be able to actually connect what it is that they want. One mistake I see a lot of uh, presenters sometimes do is they'll have all of their stories and all of their content um, sort of like in, in, a, in a canned or a bulk format, which is fine. You, you need to have that because, I mean, let's just face it. If you are in, an expert in your industry, chances are you're going to be getting a lot of the same questions over and over. And so you have seen some scenarios from which you can pull really quickly. But even in that space, each audience has their own unique needs. So, so making sure, just to avoid making sure that you don't assume without getting concrete data on your audience, what challenges they're facing. You can do some research with the person that's bringing you in. You can do some you know, on the ground research if they're allowing you to survey your audience or poll them ahead of time. One of my fellow speakers, he spends hours I don't I'm not saying do this but I'm just saying you know there's some people out there that do this but they he spends hours combing through the profiles the online social profiles of people who will be in his audience and by the time he gets there another level of engagement is that he has some background information and so he can integrate even more. And then they feel like, wow, this guy really knows me. So <laughs> just making sure that when you're building out that content, you're connecting with information that is also unique to them and their needs as well. It makes such a difference. It's, it's this tailored experience. I mean, there's, there's one experience with buying clothing off the rack. And then there's another experience where you're getting it to custom fit your body. And when you're doing that kind of work that your colleague does, he is going in there with a custom tailored experience as opposed to just pulling something off the shelf and giving it to the audience. Now, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with pulling a presentation off the shelf. But I do encourage you to do some kind of work. You don't have to do as extensive of a job as your friend does with going through social Agreed. media profiles, right? You don't have to do that, but you want to do some customizing. I mean, some questions that you want to ask before the presentation, who's in the audience? What years yes. of experience do they have? How much do they know about this topic? What do you want them to know about the topic? What Even have you ask, introduced them before? Uh, what was that? What have you introduced to them before? 
Exactly. What have they heard about this before? Even ask, have you hired a speaker before? And if you have, what did you like about that speaker? What did your audience like about that speaker? Not that you're going to do the exact same thing, but they might say, you know what? The other speaker that we had, and this is why we're not going back to him, (laughs) is because he talked about himself too much. Or what we really liked about him was he was able to create personal examples or what have you. So, you know, that's part of your audience analysis as well, finding out what do they like in a speaker, as well as just all the different kinds of information that you can find out about them. How many years of experience do they have in their industry, on the job? What are their attitudes toward this topic? Have you had someone speak on this topic before? How receptive were they to it? Why are you bringing somebody in? Well, don't say why, because why is a defensive word. What makes you bring in someone to speak on this topic again? What fell short or what are you looking for differently? I mean, ask as many questions as you can. Pretend this is your event And what do you want out of a speaker? What do you want the speaker to know about your audience and your event needs? Just always put yourself in the other person's shoes, in the other party's shoes, whether it's your audience giving them what you would want to see in an audience in a a presentation, or if it's your event contact and thinking to yourself, if I was an event contact, What do I want this speaker to get from me? And I need the speaker to understand my audience inside and out. And I want this custom fit experience. These are such great questions. And when I say like powerful, packed techniques and strategies for the listeners, for those of you that are listening, I mean, you can listen to this repeatedly over and over and over and over and over again, and you will be equipped with how to keep your audience engaged. We want you to succeed. We want you to win. We do. We do. And your audiences want you to win. I was at a little kid's birthday party the other day. And of course, you know, hey, what do you do? And say, so, uh, and I I don't know why I hate telling people what I do. I think it's because then all of a sudden they're really interested in learning more and hearing more. And I'm an introvert and I don't want to talk about, I mean, it's, I, just, I don't know what it is. Are you so an introvert for real? I really am. <laughs> I really, really am. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, I just kind of mumble. I'm a professional scraper, right? And they're like, oh my gosh, oh, I couldn't do that. And I said, no, no, no. Your audiences really want you to do well. So Monique and I want you to do well. And I need you to understand your audiences want you to do well. They do not want you to crash and burn. And in our last few minutes, I want to talk about this for a second. So we talked about what to do at the start of the presentation. Ask a great question. We talked about what to do throughout the presentation. Ask great questions. And so can you take a wild guess as to what to do to keep the engagement going? Give them either a great question or some great homework that's going to keep the conversation moving after your presentation. Give them something to do, something to read, somewhere to go, something that has them building on the experience that they had there. Yes. Asking a great question. Don't just say thank you. (laughs) Right. Yes. Stop stop putting up that thank you slide. Put up. You know what I'm talking about. Stop putting that up. 
that is just a waste. What I want you to start doing is ending the session one, give them a recap so they know what they should walk away with. Give them a recap of what you've gone over and then tell them their next steps are to write down the one big aha they had or right. something I love doing. Uh, and it depends on the audience and the size and all of that good stuff is, as a matter of fact, I have a stack from a presentation I did in Georgia. I give them index cards and I tell them this is their ticket to depart. Write down one question you still have about X with X being my topic or write down a glow and a grow. And this is for selfish reasons. This is for speakers who are wanting to constantly improve. With the grow and the glow, the glow is on one side of the card, they write something that worked really well in the session, something that they really enjoyed. The grow is an area where this session could be improved or where it would be lovely if you had done X. So tell them that's their ticket to lead the session make your way to the back of the room to the door or have someone who's assisting you and take their their little cards as they leave and most people will do it i hardly ever have anybody who's like oh, i'm going to find another exit i'm not gonna, <laughs> i'm not doing that activity but just something to have them thinking beyond your session and the engagement continues after you're finished love it love it 100% agree stamped on Approved. Hi, <laughs> Monique, and I endorse this message. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, <laughs> this is a wrap. Monique, you know, I always love uh, talking uh, anything about presentation skills with you. It's just been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Likewise, thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed our series. Anything else? Anything else about engagement? Did we cover it all? Or is there anything else we can give them? I think you have given, we've both given them the core, the core, core, core. It's like that sandwich piece. You know, you eh, you want to have a sandwich, but if you just have the buns, I mean, it, it's a sandwich, but it's not really. But what's in the middle is the core. That's the glue that's going to keep the bottom and the top together. And asking great questions all throughout, beginning, middle, and end, is a way for you to truly keep your audience engaged. And if you can walk away with just that one tip, you're already a winner. Agreed. Thank you again. So, uh, so fun having you on the show, Monique, Russell, everybody. And thank you to the listeners for tuning in to Own the Microphone. I'm Bridget McGowan. I'll check you next time. Monique Russell is the global communications expert you want on your team. She teaches women leaders and teams how to increase visibility for more opportunity with public speaking and emotional intelligence. Her clients enjoy positive and productive relationships at home and at work using Monique's effective communications tools and strategies. If world-class organizations like Amazon, Microsoft, the Centers for Disease Control, Verizon, Intel, Equifax, and the world's busiest airport, Atlanta Hartsville Jackson International, can trust Monique to guide them with communication strategies? You can too. She is the founder of Clear Communication Solutions, LLC, the author of the book, Intentional Motherhood, Who Said It Would Be Easy, as well as The Ultimate Speaker's Guide.
She hosts a podcast called Bridge to You and invites you to download her free audio of communication affirmations by visiting her website, clearcommunicationsolutions.com. Thank you.